above the rays of the sunshine by a distance of hundred thousand joyanas uh, equals to eight hundred thousand miles is the moon, which travels at a speed faster than that of the sun. In two fortnight, in two lunar fortnights, the moon travels through the equivalent of one sambatsara of the sun. In two and a quarter days, it passes through a month of the sun, and in one day, it passes through a fortnight of the sun. Purple. When we take into account that the moon is 100,000 Jordanas or 800,000 miles above the rate of the sunshine, it is very surprising that the modern excursions to the moon, to the moon could be possible. Since the moon is so distant, how space vehicles could go there is doubtfully mystery. Modern, scient modern scientific calculations are subject, subject to one change after another, and therefore they are uncertain. We have accepted the calculation of the Vedic literature. These Vedic calculations are steady. The astronomical calculations made long ago and recorded in Vedic literature are correct even now. Whether the Vedic calculations on, or modern ones are better may remain a mystery for others. But as far as we are concerned, we accept the Vedic calculation to be correct. May I repeat this part, please? <clears throat> Whether the Vedic calculation or modern ones are better may remain a mystery for others. But as far as we are concerned, we accept the Vedic calculations to be correct.
as uh, yesterday in the presentation given by Gopalan Deshkrao, in the graphic we uh, learned them about the movement, the somehow in relation to the color chakra. There are different <coughs> motions that different plants are uh, having, and the moon as well. But uh, the description that is given here is more uh, from the perspective from the Soviet science. It's for the reason that he thinks that the moon moves faster than the sun. Because uh, yesterday we uh, understood that the sun in relation to the Kala Chakra where the constellations and the zodiacs are on, so like a fixed the zodiac or the constellation, they don't have movement, but they move with the Kala Chakra. So Kala Chakra, the speed of Kala Chakra is faster than the movement of the sun. So it said that the variation and the difference is just for one degree between the Kala Chakra and the sun. In that way, for example, for the sun to cover one of the constellations of Kala Chakra, it takes 30 days. It's one, only one constellation. So it's whole movement of the sun to cover all the zodiac takes 12 months because one month covered just one aspect, one constellation. Because every day is just one part of this zodiac, one part. So 30 days take to cover whole. But the, move, the movement of the moon, the angle of variation is not just one degree, it's 30 degrees. This is according so it's 30 degrees of variation and it's the own motion of the moon, the sun, and the color chakra. So it looks like the moon is like a retrospective movement. So in that sense, when the color chakra is moving faster, the moon comes to, uh, it happens that it's covering twice the same um, uh, constellation. For that, for example, if we um, revise the four nights, the galaxy, we have 28 the galaxy during the year. So it means that twice every uh, constellation the moon is happening. It's coming. So in that way, we explain that it is said here that uh, the moon cover or is passing twice the sun each. So literally said, the two four nights, the moon travels through the equivalent of the sensara of the sun. So, uh, because the the sun takes one month, sorry, one year to cover all all the the zodiac, but for the moon is twice. Does it twice because? Um, the angle that it has 13 degrees, along with the movement of the Kala Chakra, allows the moon to pass through every zodiac twice in the year. For that reason, it's explained here that apparently the moon is faster than the sun. But it's not because the um, property of the movement of the moon itself, it's because the movement of the Kala Chakra 
and the mulis together makes that the color chakra is faster that, that gives the ability of the moon to pass twice of the zodiac during the year. Is that understood? Yeah. So in that way, but again, this is based in the Sulisidanta that uh, Sadhus are helping us to understand the statement that Aksarya is giving to us, and of course based in the Shastra. So what we were mentioning before, the way how we learn is based on Guru, Shastra, Sadhu. So, and in this case, to me personally, the way how Prabhupada established the attitude, the conviction that every uh, serious spiritual practitioner of our tradition should have, according to the Shastras, the approach to the Shastras, the firm conviction, no matter, Prabhupada very nicely said, as far as we, we are concerned, we accept the Vedic calculation to be correct. But why? Prabhupada also, it's not like a blind, you know, it's not just, it's correct and that's it. The Prabhupada also said, why? He said, because uh, for thousands of years, for a long time, those calculations that are described or presented here in the Shastras have, haven't been changed. It's, st- it's fixed. So, and it can be verified, and we can see that with the help of our advanced and also serious devotees, Salus, we, we are able to corroborate that information is correct. And many devotees who are, um, for example, uh, engaged in projects along with science and studying the Shastras can give us different. Um, Evidence or help us to understand how this works. Like uh, we said, Pakistan Saraswati Maharaj, by presenting this to Isidanta and devotees from the BA, Bhaktivedanta Institute. Also, based on their background, scientific background, they help us also to understand what they actually is, the Shastras are saying. So it's and also corroborate, you know, it's basically ascertain that this is true. Um, in that way, for example, I, 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 I was trying to present or prepare the class today um, and I came across a very important, to, to me, very important presentation with the Karma group that I have only suggested to perhaps if you are already you didn't do it, you already did it, or you don't. It's a presentation that Dr. Karmapra did it on 4th of September. And uh, uh, the title is the Multidimensional Universe of the Vedic, uh, of the Vedas and the Vedic Cosmology. It's the 4th of September, 20. 21. And it's a very interesting presentation based on this aspect of the cosmology, Vedic cosmology, where Dudakarnamra um, says that actually the Vedas or the Vedic cosmology 
main purpose is to help us to address three main questions. Who we are, where we are, and where we should be going. Because if we don't understand who we are, we as a, our real, um, real identity, so we won't be able to act uh, in our self-interest. Because, again, we don't have a real understanding who we are. And uh, the current of the modern scientists, scientific knowledge has a different understanding who we are. And in that way, is the apparent contradictions that we are experiencing, or perhaps cause of doubts on what we are facing right now, or difficulties to understand and accept the statement of the Shastras. Uh, the most of us, uh, we have um, exposure to the educational system where it's based on the modern scientific um, philosophy of, uh, of nature. Where, for example, that uh, according to the reductionist uh, worldview of nature, according to the science, um, it said that we are just matter. It's we are not a spiritual. Our identity is just a matter. And as a matter, we are unconscious. The quite different approach, how the Shastra says that who we are, who we are are Ahamramasmi, according to the Vedic cosmology. So we are conscious. But scientific approaches say that we are just matter. Dr. Karma Prabhu said in his experience visiting one um, museum in South Africa, the museum is an invitation to know yourself, discover yourself, he said. And, uh, but in the just starting in the entrance, there is a big sign, a big sign that it says, let me read it. It's a, a statement given by Richard Dawkins. Probably you heard about him, the famous biologist that is atheist. And it's a big Big, uh, big word that said, um, we are survival machines, robots, vehicles, blindly programmed to preserve the selfish molecules known as genes. So that is the healthy current modern uh, science has understanding about who we are, machines, mental. So, uh, if, um, if you allow me to revise a little bit how the scientific method uh, has been built on the philosophy of nature, the current philosophy of nature that most of us has been exposed and unconsciously uh, have uh, an understanding about our identity, about the nature. For example, um, there is one um, scientist, biologist as well. He is more in a process investigating the presence of consciousness in nature. 
And contrary to the approach that uh, current, the mainstream uh, scientist has, he says that uh, he wrote a book entitled The Science of Delusion. Uh, that is, his name is Rupert Sheikdrick. Have you heard about him? Very famous, and, and he's from UK. And he established and he said that uh, there is a belief that science already understands the nature of reality in principle, but it's leaving the details to be filled up according to circumstances. And this is supported by the technology that we are experiencing right now, the advance of the technology that makes us believe that uh, the science is right, because whatever transformative things that is happening, that we are experiencing, is underlined by the, the development of the technology based on science. So it's about uh, that understanding that we are having, so that science must be right. Uh, but uh, we understand also that the science have, as we mentioned before, a very um, effective, a powerful uh, method, a scientific method, that even Sundar Prabha mentioned about it as well, when he said that Krishna consciousness is scientific. Why? Because in the scientific method is based on questioning, then discussing with hypotheses and empirical evidence. So the same principle, this, this method uh, is essential for science, but it's applicable for Krishna consciousness as a spiritual science. So, but the current science, it's uh, reductions in this approach about the philosophy of nature, where it's based more in the materialistic point of view, where everything is matter, and it has a dogma based on uh, ten principles. I, I will be just touching a few of them because it's related to what Dr. Karnatra was presenting. So I thought it would be interesting for us to understand this point. Because um, the important to understand who we are, that it's very uh, essential at this point. Science has an understanding that we are just matter, machines, and everything is matter, and that means unconscious, and matter is, is uh, the laws of nature are fixed, and there is a, lay, a very famous law of conservation of matter and energy. Most probably you've heard about it in studies, physics, for example. And, uh, it's, uh, there is no consciousness, there is no mind, it's just a protocol functioning of the brain. Those assumptions of, for example, of uh, science were, uh, it's just recently because uh, from, that started from the 19th centuries, uh, but previously we studied the history of science, the philosophy of nature, and the, around uh, medieval age, where, for example, Thomas Aquinas, they have a philosophy that uh, 
everything is an organism, the animal, uh, comes the spirit in Latin, and Aristotle's, uh, sorry, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, his philosophy is based in Aristotle, where he acknowledged the, the body and also the spirit. But um, in, uh, in the um, Renaissance with Descartes, the science uh, took the, another approach. Descartes uh, divided, separated the matter and the spirit. The matter, based on uh, the body and the, uh, the energy, it was more addressed by science, and the spirit God and it was just relegated just to religion. So he did that separation. Uh, but initially, it was more the understanding that we are organisms, not just matter. As an organism, that means we are conscious and we have anima. In Latin, that means states. So, but that changed in the 1900th centuries. Uh, it's quite important to understand this, how it's evolved, because how now the approach of science is more materialistic, re uh, reductionist, to just matter, because it makes us mechanical. And if we have that approach, as uh, Richard Dawkins said, we are just survival machines, uh, but in, with that approach, make us to think that we need to, to compete between each other and the purpose of life would be to produce and consume more material things. With this approach, we just uh, destroy the planet, destroy the, the nature, and it's also because of conflicts in our interaction with others and the nature. So conflict at all levels. Because with false and with the false understanding or in, incomplete understanding who we are, and the shastras, as Sridhar nicely presented, is the purpose of the shastras of Vedic knowledge, Vedic cosmology, is to understand who we are, where we are, and where we should go. So, but to understand where we should go, we need to know where we are, how the universe is laid out. It, 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 it gave a nice example, it's like a being in the airport. You need to take your flight. So, but to know where you have to take your flight, you need to know how the, the airport is designed, where are the gates, and because how do you ascertain your way back to to, to, to home, in this case, to take your flight. So you need to have knowledge. Now, for that reason, we are studying this universe, how this is uh, organized, for us to have clear understanding where we need to go. So it's a, to me, personally, consider a very nice uh, example, the analogy of the airport, and also how we can approach 
they study of this complex knowledge. And yesterday's on the mentioned is very complex. What is the purpose of that? Why? So it's nicely presented by Dr. Carmen Prabhu. And uh, we can also understand it, how the fallacy of the current um, scientific approach about science itself, because as we mentioned before, it has some dogmas, like uh, for example the conservation of matter and energy. And yesterday also was a nice presentation, but where one point is said that the scientists themselves acknowledge that the whole creation, what we know about the whole universe is just a very, a very tiny, very tiny fraction, it's 5%, it's 95% is dark matter and dark energy. So how that can come from? So um, uh, Rupert Shade Drake, Drake that, that biologist that is studying the, cons the consciousness, he mentioned that, for example, with the laws of nature, according to science, the nature is stable, doesn't change. Well, sorry, doesn't. Uh, uh, it's fixed the amount of matter, so only can be transformed, but it's fixed. The matter doesn't become, cannot be destroyed, but can be transformed. But the amount of matter is there. That as a as a fixed laws of nature, but unfortunately, according to the studies of physicians, they try to understand some laws. For example, in 1980, they discovered different galaxies, and uh, these galaxies, the behavior of these galaxies uh, doesn't comply with what the laws of gra gravitational laws are. Ascertain. So, in order for them to make sure that because the laws of gravity are real for physics, for modern science, they are not true, so how they can make the balance of the equation? So, they have to justify with or must be other energy that we are on matter that we are not able to see. So, for that reason, uh, it can. It happened that uh, they assumed that dark matter is present there. Because otherwise, how do we justify that the laws of and gravitational laws are not working with the behavior of those galaxies? So, how you can uh, make that balance, that equation is just adding more matter, dark matter, so that in that way the laws uh, of gravitational laws will be. And balance. So that is a, so. How much matter is? It's just whatever is needed to just add it. But at the same time, that also it's based only in a philosophy in the philosophy of nature as the universe as a closed system that is slowly expanding. But recently, in 1990. There is an, uh, we have the, a discovery that the universe is, is not slowly expanding, it's faster. So how that happened? The only way to understand that it should be that there is a dark energy that is forcing the universe to expand. 
So otherwise, how do we justify that? Because the laws, gravitational laws, are fixed and true. That's based on science. But they themselves are facing some difficulties to how to reconcile with what they are believing with the new discoveries. So at the end, it's more matter that uh, there is more matter than initially was. So, but initially, one of the dogmas is that matter is the same. So now, for now, that there is more matter than it was originally. So some contradictions that are happening in right now in science, and one thing is one of those doubts or big problems or hard problems that the, the way how is defined the, uh, for scientists, the study of consciousness. Because for the scientific, materialistic, scientific uh, worldview, we as a matter are unconscious. We have no consciousness. And uh, whatever happened in the brain, the mind, is just product of the, difficult, the different chemical products that is happening in the brain. And uh, consciousness is just an illusion. But if we study a bit more, illusion is a state of consciousness. So imply the system of consciousness. Otherwise, how would be illusion? So some contradictions that is happening in the current studies of science. And serious um, scientists, they are taking an account these uh, circumstances to revise what actually this science is presenting. And uh, Dr. Carmen Prabhu also presented the one philosopher. Yeah. He said uh, Thomas Nagel, that is a professor of philosophy in New York University. He wrote a book. The title of the book is The Mind and Cosmos. Uh, and uh, the subtitle is Why the Materialistic Neo-Darwinist Concept of Nature is Almost Certainly False. Is that one book by Thomas Middle? And he said that uh, the problem mm, he said the problem of consciousness is everything it's becoming very much serious. If we take this problem seriously and follow up its implications, it threatens to unravel the entire naturalistic world picture where they try they explain everything in terms of matter. So if we give more validity uh, to the study of consciousness in nature, we create a conflict between what we already understand about nature based on matter. And uh, in one sense, would give us the uh, different options, the opportunity to explore different options of source of knowledge. In this case, for example, as Prabhupada nicely established here, to me was quite strong and uh, confronting because the fixed, the fake, uh, fixed, firm, 
faith of Prabhupada in what the Shastra says. And uh, that gave me opportunity to explore a little bit about what should be the approach of us, how we can uh, honestly approach the Shastras with our background that unfortunately most of us, some of us we have due to the educational system that we were exposed where sometimes it's difficult to reconcile the statement of Shastras and what we understand of, and also our capacity of understanding due to our level of consciousness and one I, uh, in this process of uh, reading a bit, there is one statement that it said that the Vedic knowledge, the Vedic or spiritual knowledge, cannot be obtained by research or reading books. The spiritual knowledge has to be revealed. What that means and how we can get that or the benefit of the scriptures or the spiritual knowledge to be revealed to us. There is a, a recipe for that, for us, uh, for how to do it. And Krishna himself stated in the Bhagavad Gita. Do you know what is it? No. How we can receive knowledge and be revealed to us. Uh, it's very famous text, you know, 434, So what that means is that we need to approach to the spiritual master. We begin to talk about Guru Shastra Sala. So the knowledge, the spiritual knowledge should be revealed to us when we have the proper attitude to approach the spiritual master, inquire submissively, but not just inquiry, there is another important factor that means service. With service attitude and practical service that we can render to the spiritual master, to the souls, that then, by them being pleased, the knowledge will be revealed. So, but what actually means the knowledge to be revealed? Um, Bhaktivya Purna Maharaj says in one of his lectures, uh, it's easy to have uh, knowledge of the different books, reading, but it's just theoretical knowledge. Having real spiritual knowledge means having realization. Realization means how to apply this practical knowledge in our daily life activities. To reconcile some kind of essential exceptions that we see sometimes we confront in the Shastras. Because we understand the principles. When, for example, Krishna and the, the Vedas established that all um, bones are contaminated, but in the altar we have the conscience. And conscience are bones, but they are species. So how we can apparently contradictory statements can be reconciled. So it's in this way is how we can understand that knowledge is revealed because it's a realization. And that 
to acquire that aspect is to acquire that capacity has to be coming through the, the by pleasing the sadhus, by pleasing guru. Quite important factor. There is one text that is very famous, the Swatavatara Upanishad. Jata de de that sorry, let me revise my notes. Perhaps any of you know about that text? Jata de de para bhakti, Jata de de tataguro, Jata de katita kirta, Prakashan de Mahatma. That is Svetantara uh, Panisad, uh, 6.23. It said that by submissive service to the Lord, faithful service to the Lord and to the Sadhus, all the Vedic knowledge will be revealed. This, uh, and I was, based on that text, I was revising also many other uh, texts that in the Bhagavatam proper quoted and like uh, 20 different quotations or more even, some conversations. But just in Bhagavatam, there are 20, uh, no, sorry, Bhagavatam, like 14 different quotations to this text. They constantly proper emphasizing by submissive service to the sadhus, the knowledge will be revealed. Bhagavad Gita constantly, also when you write Bhagavad Gita, I found three times, uh, 6, 11, 10, 8, and 444 4, 4, 4 as well, the same point. By submissive attitude, rendering service, pleasing Guru, Sadhu, Krishna, knowledge will be revealed. It's not like that we will endeavor constantly to read ourselves, okay, well, I can do it because sometimes I, uh, I have the tendency, okay, I will read and <coughs> get knowledge, but <coughs> it's just book knowledge, uh, theoretical knowledge. The real knowledge, the real understanding will be revealed, and that depends of our level of consciousness as well. But this is what I thought should present you today. If you have any comment and questions, uh, I'm really question please to present if you have any. Yes, please. to comment that there's no time to read the books either. A lot of books, the lectures, and yeah. no time to cover everything. So that's very sad to say. Quite interesting. Yeah, you said that there is not enough time. To read the books. Perhaps it's not enough of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To to read all the books and get the knowledge. Yeah. And and so that verse is important to understand that the essence will be revealed if we do service to Guru. Yeah. And for that reason, it's important to understand that that knowledge will be revealed by serving serving Guru. Another way, because if we just trust in our capacity to read all the books, this lifetime won't be enough. You say that. So the only option <laughs> is to serve the good. Yeah. Thank you for that comment.
So the moon must be faster than the sun from the zodiac point of view. So it's quite important to understand that as yesterday was presented, this is different point of perspective, different ways to see the same thing. From the perspective of the zodiac, it is one way it's presented here, but also if we see from both of them, the vision is different. So different angles of perception. So just that. The same thing from different angles of perception can be apparently different. Apparently. Does it respond? Yeah, yeah. Is the color chakra same as the zodiac or is it above the zodiac? No, the color chakra is it's the whole bit where the sun is going. And it's the time. And so if we talk about physically, the, the zodiac is about so constellations, but they don't have movement. But it's quite interesting how they, they move with the Kala Chakra. Do you understand that? I think, I think, I think they describe that, 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 that there's an orbit, so orbit is just, it's just a track, but then, but then when we, when we say the Kala Chakra is moving, it's like trying to understand what in the orbit that's moving, yeah. you know, there's, 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 for example, the zodiac chakras, uh, then you have like these constellations that are moving, but that's uh, they're moving with the Kala Chakra, but then what, what is that that is moving in the Kala Chakra in the orbit? It is trying to understand that. Uh, yeah, uh, it's good. Thank you for my information in that. Uh, the Kala Chakra uh, has a orbit where the sun also passes through. Based, the movement of the sun is based on the whole um, done made by the Kala Chakra. But the Kala Chakra is a spine also. Kala Chakra is actually a spine that moves, uh, it has a orbit, an uh, area where it goes. And the sun has a reference the same for his movement. But the Kala Chakra is spine. It's for us, our mind is we need to have our oh, physical thing or that we can see, that we need to see, that that's our capacity, oh, the way how we perceive, but actually it's not, it's a subtle, we can see time, but we experience time. Yeah, something also we need to understand, we have a, many, a lot of constraints, not just our consciousness is a bit, Limited, also our perception, the way how we perceive, limited senses, so and the way how we are used to think because of our educational system, or how we were brought up. So it contact is not physical. It's something physical, okay? It's an object like a sun, <coughs> the planet that is moving. It's not like. And <laughs> what is? Myself, I will be trying to learn, but only I, I know Kala Chakra is fine. <coughs> and it's described in the Bhagavad and British Chakra is fine. And in that, it, it has a whole bit. Like the, the nice example of the, the tracks for running. Yeah. yeah? So, in that, uh, the constellations are only Kala Chakra uh, that is described. And they don't have independent movement like the sun. 
they move along with the Kala Chakra. The Kala Chakra is the track. It has its own track. It's Kala, Kala Chakra has a track or Kala Chakra is the track? Kala Chakra has and it looks like a base also because the hobbits are there. And they move along with the color chakra because they don't have independent movement. And the way how the color chakra moves is faster than the sun. That's also we need so two different, three different speeds if we want to consider. For that reason, the runners in different tracks. So the only thing that we, to me at this level, is easy to understand. The color chakra is the runner in track number one. And it's faster than the runner in the track number two, that is the sun. And in this case, because we are standing the moon, so we have another runner in the track number three, and it's slower, in oh, 30 degrees slower, I said, according to the Siganta. So they are all together moving simultaneously, but different speeds. It's on the only way how can I reconcile at this level, and it's what I understand. Yeah. And I was visiting from other devotees as well. Yeah. I hope that helps you yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Right. We have a question from Celia. Um, you said that when you ask Guru Maharaj a question, you just can't ask a question, but you have to do some personal service. Yeah. But what service can I do for my guru if I want to ask a question? No. Oh, what kind of service? Well, we need to ask the guru as well. But in this case, for example, for all, for all of us, we have Shila Prabhupada as our main Shiksha guru. And if for those who they don't have specific gurus and they didn't receive specific instructions, but for all of us, uh, and the seva that we we can render is properly, it's nicely defined by Shiva Prabhupada by studying his books, chanting, following the principles, chanting rounds, uh, offering practical service according to the temple authorities of the center where you are. Or trying to perform acting. Yeah, it has to be authorized. I think she means that is there any personal service that you have to do to the guru before you ask a question? Oh, personal service. Well, asking questions also is a service as far as I understand. That depends on you, the way how you do it. Well, that I would say that depends on the, the, the relationship that the disciple has with the guru and different gurus. The, thing, the main point actually is the service attitude. It's not that something that I have to specific service or personal service that I must do it. It's the service attitude, whatever is required. It's not like I approach to the person or guru to get knowledge and that's it. It's there is a loving exchange that because of gratitude you want to serve that person, that attitude, that submissive attitude. And in, in, in the, one of the main principles in our Shastra is that uh, everything is based in a service attitude. Even here, we, today we are hearing a lot about the 
Vedic knowledge, spiritual knowledge is revealed because you have the proper self-attitude. It's not selfish attitude that whatever I can get it for me, because when we approach to ask questions is, I have doubts, I have to, I want to, I want to uh, clarify my doubts, selfish interest. But if we have the service attitude, and if we approach with that submissive attitude, okay, I need this knowledge to increase the quality of my performance of my service, my devotional service to Krishna, to Guru, to others, the, the, the purpose of my questions is also related to the service attitude, or the attitude that we have is the service attitude of service, selfish self-serving attitude. Well, I don't know if that responds to that question, but at the moment you say, well, how can I understand? Last one, that he does. He has questions. Thank you. Is that also why the scientists don't believe in the existence of the soul? Because they don't have so much a service attitude, you know? So they can't have this realization. Well, quite interesting what you said. Yes, for example, it's because um, according to our Dr. Karma, he is also a scientist and he is a devotee. He, he emphasized because we don't have proper understanding who we are, the tendency to consider that we are machines, just matter. So, and we have to survive, there is a competitive nature. So, how, uh, as much I can consume and produce material things, that is the, the goal of my life. Me, because survival, competitive, so it's self-esteem. It's not like I will help others. And because of that also I have a tendency to explode or destroy the nature, and the conflict, the relationship with others. That's based on Luther Carmel Prabhu's approach. Personally, consider that's very uh, uh, applicable to what we are experiencing. Yeah? Is that answering your question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Important, quite, quite important to understand who we are, what is our identity. And based on that, we will be able to act for our self interest, basically, understanding who we are. Thank you. Thank you.